0: glory, all honor, and all praise. And Lord, we want to thank you this morning as we are gathered on this Lord's Day for the gospel, for the good news of Jesus Christ's crucifixion and resurrection, that he came to die to save lost sinners, and that he rose from the dead on the first day of the week, and that is why we are gathered now on this day in thanksgiving to give you honor and praise. We thank you for salvation and for forgiveness of sins and that you have given to your people grace and mercy. Lord, we pray that as we are gathered together today that you would be glorified and honored Lord, we also pray that you would work in us by the power of your Holy Spirit and through the preached word, through the scriptures, to conform your people more to the image of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray, forgive us of our daily transgressions and grow us in sanctification and make us more like Christ, we pray, even through this time. Use this day for that. The fellowship, the worship together here as a congregation. And we pray, Lord, that you might use us for the advancement of the gospel, for the spread of the gospel in this world. Lord, we also want to pray in this way for other faithful Bible-believing churches in this land, that they would stand strong in the faith, that they would earnestly contend for the faith. And Lord, we also pray for Christians in governmental authority positions, that they would be faithful and that they would function according to the word of truth, and Lord, we pray for the conversions of many in those positions, that they would repent and turn to Jesus Christ and submit to his word. And Lord, we pray that you would be glorified in every area, in our homes, in the church, in the civil authorities, in our businesses, and in all that we do. And Lord, we commit this to you and ask your blessing in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Please stand as we open our service. We'll start with Psalm
1: 121.
2: Well, amen. Good morning, everybody. Mike, as you always say, boy, if that don't don't get you on fire, your wood's wet. Amen. Oh, how great, how great thou art, right? And all glory be to Christ. Uh, Well, we're gathered here, and as we always say, we know this is the Lord's, our Lord's words. They're truth, and they're the only thing that we can know that we know is absolute truth. So this is a true history of the church that God has provided for us. Amen. Well, today we'll be reading starting in Acts 15, beginning in verse 37. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark, and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went throughout Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Then came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman who was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters. For they knew all that his father was a Greek. Let us pray. Oh, Father, help us, give us ears to hear and help us to understand as as we go through and look At this portion of scripture, Lord, about while you were building your church in the beginning of the church, Lord, and the truths that you want us to know from them, Lord. We ask that you be with Mike as he preaches it, Lord, that you help him to preach it straight and clear, Lord, and that you be glorified. And Lord, help us to see a couple main things that I know will come out, Lord. That one... As men, praise God you saved us and we owe everything to you. All glory be to you. But we are but men and we will have disagreements and you show us that those happen and what to do with them and help us to be loving on one another and, under, and as understanding as we possibly can and give us the grace, the grace to walk with one another, and to just run everything according to your word and according to your grace and love and truth. May you be glorified now through the preaching of your word and may your people as they listen be built up in the faith. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Well, again, good to have us uh, gathered together this morning with our Bibles in our hands. As I say every week, it's a glorious thing that God would be so gracious to us, that he would give us his word, uh, his preserved word in the 66 books that we have in this canon. And uh, as Howard said, we here believe that it is indeed his preserved, inspired word. It is all sufficient. And uh, this morning we are, as we often do here, we're going through the book of Acts, verse by verse, and it 's kind of a, a little different thing because last week I got as can you imagine I got kind of uh, if we say that the text took us a little longer than uh, that I anticipated, and that may happen this morning as well, and so uh, really we 're going to be looking at maybe two different things here this morning, Lord willing in our in our text, one of them is as Howard has already said that Paul and Barnabas in our text here they separate, and uh, but the beautiful thing is God has taught us how to handle these things as all of them, Mark, Barnabas, and Paul, are all reconciled in the end. And ultimately, in the end, brothers and sisters, this is what we should be, as long as it isn't, as we often say, a fundamental issue. If it is a fundamental issue, if it is the Word of God, if it is the Lord Jesus Christ, His finished sacrifice, anything that's fundamental in those terms, we cannot and must not have fellowship with that. But we must have enough grace, brothers and sisters, with one another, as we're going to see in our text this morning, to have disagreements, which we will. (laughs) If you've been around Baptist life very long, you will know that we have disagreements uh, concerning things. But uh, how do we handle that, amen? And then how does the Lord restore our relationships? And that is really such an important uh, portion of this scripture. Well, by God's good pleasure this morning, we are gathered together and have alighted upon a portion of sacred scripture, brethren, that most assuredly will lay a hold of our most godly affections for one another. You can't look at a text like this and not feel the intensity. And again, I'm not a feeling kind of guy, but the theology that's here leads my feelings, amen, which it always should. Your feelings should never lead you. Your theology should lead your emotions. And when you love someone and you're ministering with someone and you're working with them in the Lord, you become extremely close one to another. And so it is here this morning, as Paul and Barnabas, as we know, are brothers in the Lord and have had a long history, as we have looked at, of godly minister ministry together. It was Barnabas, and we're going to, again, lay the groundwork, we're going to go back and just lay this so that we can grasp and understand the depth of what a contention and a split like this uh, can cause, but you remember, it was Barnabas who first risked his own life, visiting Saul shortly after his conversion, when the church at Jerusalem, amen, the church at Jerusalem was hearing reports that this guy Saul, who had been murdering Christians, had become a Christian. And it was Barnabas who first went to talk to Saul and investigate to see if these reports were certainly true. Meanwhile, the church was keeping a far distance away from this man named Saul, turn with me, we're just going to lay the groundwork, Acts chapter 9, again, we're going to lay this out. I want you to see, again, the intensity here of this relationship that Paul and Barnabas had together, ministering faithfully together in the work of the Lord as God had called them to do. But look at Acts chapter 9, again, we want Holy Writ to speak to us this morning, not Pastor Mike's thoughts or his understanding, but what does actually, what does Scripture actually say concerning these matters? Look at Acts chapter 9. Look at verses twenty-six and twenty-seven. Again, we've gone through this, but I want you again to see this, this relationship that Paul and Barnabas, that the Holy Spirit of God, had brought them to together, to minister together. Look there, if you good, word at verse 26. Look what the Bible says. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way. And that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Christ. So here we have again Barnabas, the first one to step up and to go to Saul. The rest of the church is afraid of him, but here's Barnabas who goes to him and then brings him to the church declaring that it is true that he had indeed become a Christian. In fact, he had seen the Lord Jesus Christ. That was one of the stipulations to be a true apostle, an apostle of the Lord, was to see him risen from the dead, and Paul certainly Saul at this time certainly fit that bill. It was Barnabas, brethren, who was sent by the apostles to explore the incoming accounts of the Gentiles who, again, were coming to Christ. And again, to understand what they were dealing with, we've looked at that and the severity of that division between Jew and Gentile and what that meant. And, but it was Barnabas who was sent to check out the reports on these Gentiles who were being saved coming to Christ. And then what did Barnabas do? Immediately he went what? He immediately went to Troas or to Tarsus to search for Saul. Look there, if you would, again, in your Bible where they find this, Barnabas finds this infant church, if you will, and he immediately runs to grab Saul and to have him come and help him teach there. Look at Acts chapter 11, again, as we simply just lay out the the biblical truth concerning our text this morning and helping us to understand and grasp the, the brevity of this Split that takes place in our text. Acts chapter 11. Look at verse number 20 there, if you would. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which, when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. These tiding, the tidings of these things came into the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. So again, the church, he's a faithful man in the church, and they're sending Barnabas out to investigate this glorious thing that's taking place. And look what happens there in verse 25. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were, first called, were called Christians first at Antioch. And so you don't have this kind of relationship Ministering one to another and then get to our text and not feel some kind of a strong emotion there. If you've been ministering with someone and you've had a split like that, you know what I'm talking about. It is a very hurtful thing, amen, to be with someone, to be ministering beside them, to be working with them. And then suddenly this disagreement comes along and it causes this amazing split. When the Spirit of God gave direction to send out the first missionary detachment... Brothers and sisters, it was who? It was Barnabas and Saul. The very first missionary group, team that, I don't, know, I don't even like to use that word team, the, as he dispatched the Holy Spirit of God, dispatches this first missionary to the Gentiles, it was Paul and Barnabas who were working together. Look at Acts chapter 13 again, just as we lay the groundwork. Look at verse number two. Acts chapter 13, look at verse number two. Look what it says there. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, The Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work wherein I've called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them away. So again, we see this relationship between Paul and Barnabas, which was extremely close and extremely um, uh, close one to another. And finally, as we have recently studied, They hazarded their own lives, brethren, together. And again, the idea here is together. All of this is being done together. They are ministering together. They're being sent out by God together. They are hazarding their lives together. And they also, brethren, as we have just recently studied, as I said, they they also received accommodation from the Jerusalem Council. Look at Acts 15 as we bring ourselves up to our text here. Verse number 23. Look at Acts 15. Look at verse number 23. Look at there if you would. And they wrote letters by them after this manner. The apostles and elders and brethren send greeting unto the brethren which are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your souls. Remember, we looked at that saying, you must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. Verse 25, it seemed good unto us being assembled with one accord. We looked at that to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, look at verse 26, men that what? Men that hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, again, this relationship that Paul and Barnabas has is extremely, extremely close. So what is the Holy Ghost revealing to us here then, brethren? Well, listen, we'll just, I'll give you a little brief synopsis. It is revealing in these portions of sacred scripture that we have two godly men. Paul and Barnabas were godly men. There is no question about that, brethren. They were uh, dearly beloved by the churches. Paul and Barnabas were dearly beloved by the churches. They uh, ministered uh, together, amen. They had great persecution together. They effectually ministered deep in the trenches together. And brethren, they have seen many people saved. It's an amazing thing. Think of that for a moment. As the church is growing and God is, is saving people and drawing people onto himself, here's Paul and Barnabas right in the middle of it, preaching and teaching the word of God as we saw last Lord's Day morning. And now, as they're about to embark on their second missionary journey, it's an amazing, Paul and Barnabas, as I said, have been, who have been through so much together, have a sharp falling out which is an amazing thing when you consider this. Again, thinking and feeling the emotions there of these men who have been working together and being used of the Lord greatly together. So let's read there together verses 36, 37, 38, and 39. We'll read them together, and then we will, uh, Lord willing, go down each verse and just take a look at them together this morning. Look at verse number 36. The Bible says, "...in some days..." After Paul said after Paul said unto Barnabas, "'Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city "'where we have preached the word of the Lord "'and see how they do.'" And Barnabas determined, that's an interesting word in our text there, that's one we're going to look at, "'to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. "'But Paul thought it not good to take him with them, "'who departed from them in Pamphylia "'and went not with them to the work.'" Verse 39, "'And the contention was so sharp between them "'that they departed asunder one from another.'" And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. Well, again, brethren, Luke begins here in verse 36 to narrate, if you will, Paul's second missionary journey. This is where it begins. They are getting ready to take off. God is going to send them again out into the missionary field. That begins here, if you will, more of a pastoral trip than a missionary trip. We understand that. Amen. In fact, Paul says to Barnabas, let us go back. Let us go back and check on the brother. Let's see how they're doing, amen? That's what a good, sound shepherd does. That's what a good pastor does. They go back and they check to see, okay, we were preaching here. We were preaching the word of the Lord here. We're preaching the word of the Lord there. Let us go back and see how they are doing. And so, as one pastor said, I like that. Paul had the heart both of an obstetrician bringing people into the church, amen, and the heart of a pediatrician, one who would help them grow up within the church. Amen. So he's playing those dual roles as a pastor, and this is what a good pastor should always do. Now, Barnabas here agrees that another trip through Galatia is indeed in order, and he says, that's a good idea. But he says, wait a minute, though, let's go ahead and let's take John Mark with us. Amen? It's amazing, isn't it? In fact, not only does he suggest that, But the word determined in verse 37 is more than a suggestion. In fact, that word determined there literally means an absolute direction to a certain end, particularly to end by a decision. In other words, Paul, the discussion is over with. Literally, that's what that means. He wanted to bring John Mark with him so drastically that he just says, hey, this is what we're going to do. Well, we know in verse 38, Paul reminds Barnabas, doesn't he, that John Mark amen, had left them on their earlier mission work. And again, this is something we want Holy Writ to delineate out to us and to show us the pattern and, and if you will, the timeline. So turn with me here again, back in our text to Acts chapter 12, again, seeing this, that John Mark went with them and then he departed from them. And Paul's going, no, he already left us once. Uh, We should not be taking him with us. Again, look at Acts chapter 12, again, just by way of reminder, brethren, because, well, maybe you're not like me. My hair is gray and I forget things a lot. So I got to be reminded a lot of what's taking place. Amen. Look at Acts chapter 12 there. Look at verse 24 again, just by way of holy instruction and reminder. The Bible says there, but the word of God grew and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. And so here's Paul and Barnabas grabbing Mark. They're going to take him with, and they took him along and said, hey, come on, let's go along on this journey that the Lord is going to send us on. But soon after in Acts chapter 13, again, look at verse number two, John Mark decides I've had enough of this program, amen? It's an amazing thing. Look at verse number two. The Bible says, and as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the the Holy Ghost said, "Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them." And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues and the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. So again, John at this point is still there. He's come along on the missionary trip. He's with them. He's preaching. He's with them there. But then we come to verse 13 of that chapter. Look there at verse number 13 of chapter 13. Now, when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. So again, this is what Paul's talking about. They're having a discussion. Let's go ahead. Let's go on this second missionary journey. And then Barnabas wants to bring John Mark with him. And Paul says, wait a minute. Have you ever been there, brothers? (laughs) Have you ever been there where you're relying on somebody, depending on someone, and then they, they just simply flutter off? It's an amazing thing. This is what happened. And Paul's going, hey, remember what happened in Pamphylia. Remember, we're preaching, we're teaching the word of the Lord, and John Mark just decided, to head on back to Jerusalem. Well, if you would, again, let us uh, have this, the scriptures enlighten us a little more, if you will, to something that adds to the conflict, amen? Many times there's conflict, but sometimes family relations add to the conflict, don't they? Amen? And this is what we have in store here. Mark and Barnabas were cousins, So we have two cousins here who who are going to be gathering together. And I want you to see this, again, by holy writ itself, not Pastor Mike or anybody else. Turn to Colossians chapter 4. Again, Mark and Barnabas are cousins. So this adds to the highlight of the contention that's taking place between them. Look at Colossians chapter 4 there, if you would. Very quickly, Colossians chapter 4, verse number 10. Look at there. I got to get there myself. Colossians chapter 4, look at verse number 10. It's glorious to have the word of God. It's glorious to have it teach us these things. Look there at verse number 10. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, Paul says, saluteth you and Marcus. There he is. There's Mark being mentioned in this text. Sister's son to Barnabas. So they're sisters and they're cousins. And so, again, we see this highlighted tension, if you will, between the cousins touching whom ye receive commandments if he come unto you receive him what a glorious thing Paul says eventually concerning Mark himself so we see here that Barnabas and Mark are cousins and they depart and this contention again is tied to partially to their relationship but the good news is brethren as the blood relatives part from Paul and Silas where we're going to see the glorious good news is this is that this is not the end for John Mark Now, brethren, again, there's so much we can learn from this text this morning concerning your relationship with one another, your relationship with the Lord, and the Lord using you in such circumstances. It really is quite a glorious thing because, as we all know, it is John Mark, brothers and sisters, who is what? Who is John Mark the author of? You can say it. It's Sunday morning. It's the Gospel of Mark. Amen. This is the Holy Spirit is not done with him. The Holy Spirit, of course, uses him to write the gospel of Mark, which, again, is a glorious thing. And we know from the inspired pages of Holy Writ that Paul truly did forgive Mark for deserting him on the mission field. And I want you to see this. Jump ahead with me about 10 years in time to 2 Timothy. Turn there, if you would. We're going forward about 10 years in time. And I want you to see, again, this glorious thing that one can have these things happen in their life and the Lord can still use you and will use you, amen, when you're restored as this has taken place. Look here what Paul says about Mark as about 10 years into history, right before he's ready to be executed, Paul, that is. Look at 2 Timothy chapter four, look at verse number 11 as he's closing. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is what? He is profitable unto me and unto my ministry. So about 10 years after this takes place, we have the Apostle Paul historically saying, hey, grab Mark, bring him with, because he is profitable unto me. I like what Spurgeon said about that verse. He said this. This is one of the prettiest verses in the Bible, because John Mark left Paul and Barnabas, and Paul would have no part with him. And that's where we're at in our text. He wants nothing to do with it. But now as Paul is about to die, he wishes to be perfectly at peace with everyone. And he is quite forgiven, poor John Mark, for his former weaknesses. Now again, Paul speaks well of, of Mark. It's an amazing thing. The other times that we see him mentioned in Scripture, Paul again speaks well of him because he is restored, the Lord has restored that relationship with him after he departed from them here in Pamphylia. Look at Philemon, just a couple of them here. Look at Philemon, just over A couple of books. Look at Philemon, uh, if you will, uh, chapter twenty or chapter twenty-three, verse twenty-three and twenty-four. There's only one chapter. Look at verses twenty-two or twenty-three, twenty-four and twenty-five. Look what he says here. There, salute the Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. Marcus there it is Aristicus Demas Lucas my fellow laborers there he says he calls uh, Mark who had abandoned them in our text a fellow laborer a fellow prisoner for Christ and so again we see this relationship that is being restored by the Lord 1 Peter chapter 5 look at that real quickly again where he's mentioned again Mark is after this has taken place look what he's called here in 1 Peter chapter 5 look at verse 13 and verse 14, Peter writes under the inspiration of God, the church that is at Babylon, elected together with you, saluteth you, so doth Marcus, my son. And so again, we see here in the end that, of course, Mark was a saved man, a Christian who is right there, the elect of God with Peter. It's an amazing thing. You see this here, brethren. Now, not only was that relationship repaired, and this is a glorious thing about our text, brothers. These relationships... These, again, as Christians, we can have some spats and we can have some splits and we can have some divisions, but brothers, we should always be praying that the Lord will what? Will restore those relationships as long as is nothing fundamental. Again, it gets back to that, doesn't it, brothers? It get back, gets back to whether you believe about the Lord Jesus Christ, what you believe about his sufficient sacrifice, what you believe concerning scripture. Again, you can have, and we do here in our own church. I guarantee you I use this example a lot. If I had one of each one of these men stand up and say, What is your eschatological view this morning? I guarantee you we're gonna have a little we're gonna have a little difference, brethren, between what you believe concerning the end times. Although you guys can all be wrong and I'll be right. Amen. That's just how it is. No, I'm just kidding, of course. But you can be brothers, you can you can minister, you can or together, amen on those kinds of issues. Not that it's not important, because eschatology is, I, I hate that when somebody stands up and says, eschatology is not important. Yes, it is. It absolutely is. Now, whether you have that view or this view, and now there are views out there, brethren, that I would not, probably not want to fellowship with you. Believe you me, there's some whacked out views concerning eschatology. But if you're a right-leaning, pre-millennialist, <laughs> pre-trib, or no, mid-trib, right, Howard? Mid-trib. Bible believer, then you're okay, amen? No, I'm just kidding. But this is what we see, again, the important fundamental things we must be united on. In fact, the relationship between Paul and Mark was reconciled, but so too was the relationship between Paul and Barnabas. And this is the glorious thing. Remember, I said they were all reconciled because they all were, because Paul eventually, again, works with Barnabas, doesn't he? Look at 1 Corinthians here. Again, the scriptures, just let the scriptures teach us this morning, brethren. We'll learn some things from God concerning these important matters. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and again, this relationship that was severed, that was was split, we find here in 1 Corinthians again, Paul and Barnabas who have been working together. Look at verse number 5. 1 Corinthians nine. Look at verse number five. Have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles, as do uh, the, as the brethren of the Lord and of Cephas? Look at verse six. Or I only, and who, Barnabas? There it is again. Barnabas and Paul were working together. Have not we power to forbear working? So, in other words, their relationship was uh, reconciled. Amen. And they were working together, and Paul here is speaking about both of them needing to work. For what? For their material good. And so, again, we see these relationships restored. And, brother, that's one of the things that I know in my own life (laughs) that I pray the Lord will do. I have some good brothers, amen, and you probably do too, who you've had some split with and some, if you will, disagreements with. You're still in the Lord together, but you're not reconciled together. We pray, as I do often, that the Lord would work that out for me, myself, personally. That I would be able to be reconciled with them. Practically speaking, what does this mean to us? Well, literally it means that, brothers, we can't change what happened yesterday. But we can, of course, as we move on. We can learn from yesterday's sins and mistakes. And that's what John Mark did. That's what Paul did. That's what Barnabas did. They learned from what took place, and they moved forward in the Lord working together, which is a most glorious thing concerning one's relationship with the Lord himself. Now, look back there at Acts chapter 15. Look at verses 40 and 41. So we see this this thing that takes place, and as we move along here, look at verses 40 and 41. Acts chapter 15, verses 40 and 41. And Paul chose Silas and departed being recommended by the the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. So again, as they parted ways, Barnabas and Mark went one way. Paul and Silas go another way, amen. And we see here that they, as Paul chooses Silas, they travel through Syria to Cilicia, strengthening the churches there. Now Barnabas, this is interesting. Barnabas is not mentioned again in the book of Acts. It's the most amazing thing when you consider that. It is Paul, it is Silas, and it is Timotheus, who we're about to be introduced to, who you begin to see the Lord begin to use now to spread the gospel, amen, to Eastern Europe. It's an amazing thing when you think about how God does that. His tools, his instruments, he simply just chooses them. He uses one for a while moves you out of the way. Then he chooses another one, and then he moves that one out of the way. And that's what we see here. Paul, or Barnabas, again, as I said, is never mentioned again in the book of Acts. He's mentioned, as we saw here in a couple of other portions of Scripture, but never again in the book of Acts. It is Paul and Silas and Timothy. In fact, look there at 1 Thessalonians again, if you would, just to see this group together. Look at 1 Thessalonians. We see these three men as God is using them. We're going to see them also in the book of Timothy. We're going to be referring back to 1 and 2 Timothy somewhat in the weeks to come, just because Timotheus is coming to the forefront. But look there at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Look at verses 1 and 2. Look what the Bible says there. Paul and Silvanus, or Silas, that's his name in the Greek, and Timotheus, unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, again, we see these three men there, right there together in Thessalonica. Look at chapter, or 2 Thessalonians 2, look at verse number 1. Again, it's the same three that are mentioned. Here they are, 1, 2, 3, all mentioned together, ministering there. Look there, if you would, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Look at verse number 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus, unto the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, for as it is meet because of your faith, growth exceedingly and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. Amen, that's what we want. So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. So again, we see here again, these three men from this point on, God uses as, they, as the gospel is going to be spread, as I said, he uses Paul, Timotheus, and Silas. And soon, as we will see in the book of Acts, Silas then will step off to the side and it'll be Timotheus whom God will raise up and bring forth. Indeed, brethren, we have alighted upon a portion of Holy Scripture this morning that most assuredly it should, if it doesn't, it should lay a hold of your godly affections towards one another. Amen? This should cause us to love one another and care for one another and do all of those one another's, amen, that the Scripture speaks of when we especially see that something like this can take place. And it does happen. And it certainly can happen. So as we work on this together, as we are continuing to reconcile ourselves one to another in these matters, we pray that we can learn from our text this morning what God is saying to us concerning this most uh, important matter of being unified and being reconciled, if you will, through those things that are not fundamental. Look there now as we continue on in our text. We're just going to kind of touch on this a little bit this morning. We'll spend a little time, Lord willing, next week uh, <clears throat> opening up this portion of Scripture as, uh, as we're going to read together here. Acts 16, look at verses 1, 2, and 3. We're going to touch on this for just a moment, and then we will pray together and gather around the Lord's table as we do every week together. Look at verse number 1. Then came he to Derby in Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess and believed. But his father was a Greek, so much information right in verse number one, which was well reported of by the brethren that there were, that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have go, to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews, which were in those quarters. Now that's an interesting thing that Paul has done there. Remember when he was with Titus, he wouldn't He would not circumcise Titus. Why wouldn't he circumcise Titus? You guys understand what's happening here. Because it depends on what you're adding to salvation. When Paul and Titus were going, they were adding circumcision to salvation. They were making it salvific. Here, Paul is simply circumcising because they all knew he was a Greek. They knew that his father was a Greek. And as a father, and we're going to look at this next week, as one who is the head of the home, he was not allowed to be circumcised. So Paul is not circumcising him for salvation. He's circumcising him to get an audience with the Jews. There's a big difference there. One's salvific, one is not. It's an amazing thing. But this is why we see this. This is why he was able to do that. Many look at this. Well, how can he, well he's circumcising him because he's going to get an audience with the Jews. He's going to have an opportunity to preach to the circumcision group. It's not tied to salvation. This is why he was able to do that. Because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they for they knew all that his father was indeed a Greek, well, brethren, Paul and Silas arrive in Derby again, where we remember again, it's an amazing thing. they were in Derby, then they go back to Derby and they're checking on this church, checking on that church. But here we are again, they arrive in Derby, where we remember in Acts chapter fourteen that the Spirit of God brought much success, amen through Paul and through his Preaching on his first missionary journey. And also in Lystra, again, we can't forget what took place there as Paul was there, amen. A place where they tried to what? Whereas they were preaching there, they tried to raise Paul and Barnabas up as what? Do you remember what that was as gods? Remember Zeus, hey, this is Zeus, this is this guy. And also a place, of course, where the Apostle Paul was stoned, which is an amazing thing. So he's back there again, and he's him and Silas have come through there, and when they get there, they meet this young Christian, this young disciple named Timotheus. And it is here that we are introduced to him. And the Bible tells us plainly in our text right here that he's already what? He's already a Christian. He's already a disciple, the Bible says. Who becomes, again, as I say, by the hand of God, by the hand of the Holy Spirit of God, who becomes here, brethren, the most important of Paul's associates as he continues to preach the gospel, as he goes out in his second missionary Trip Again, God raises up whom he will, he puts down whom he will, he uses as his own instrument whomever he wills. And this, of course, is where we begin to see Timotheus, or Timothy, being raised up as, God, as one of God's glorious instruments alongside the apostle Paul. In fact, we see this. And again, as we're going to just kind of lay this, Lord willing, for next week, we're going to see the kind of relationship, again, that Paul had with Timotheus an amazing thing brothers to see again that close relationship that they have together as he as he is mentoring the young pastor as Paul as as Timothy comes alongside of him and uh teaches him and and uh teaches him the word of God look there at acts 17 again just these three men again are very prominent moving forward look at verse number 14 of acts chapter 17 Look what the Bible says there, and then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go as it were to the sea, but Silas and Timotheus abode there still, and they that uh, conducted Paul brought him unto Athens, and uh, receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus for to come to him with all speed, they departed. And so again, here we see Paul and Silas and Timotheus, these three men who are going to become prominent within the preaching of the book of Acts. Look at Acts 18, just a couple of them here. Look at verse number 5. Again, we see the same thing. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ again as he continues to preach the gospel as Paul always did. Very gospel-centric. It's an amazing thing. Look at one more. Look at Acts 19, verse 21. Again, we see Paul and uh, we see Timotheus, but there's another man now that Comes and rises to the frontier, but Paul and Timothy are together through all of this. Look at Acts 19. Look at verse number 21. Look there what the Bible says. After these things were ended, Paul purposed in the spirit that he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go into Jerusalem, saying, "After I've been there, I must also see Rome." So he went to Macedonia. Two of them that ministered unto him, Timothy. And Erastus, now we see Erastus who's going to be working. God's going to be using them in the ministry there as they are in Asia. But he himself stayed in Asia for a season. In fact, brethren, as we kind of bring this thing to a close, Timothy, in Paul's mind. Now, this is an amazing thing when you think about this. You think of the Apostle Paul, who was inspired by God to write two-thirds of the New Testament. Think of this for a moment. How would you like to have it written of you to, through all of eternity that he thinks just like Paul does? <laughs> it's an amazing thing when you consider that, how close they were and how they, the Holy Spirit of God held them together in their theology and in their teaching and what they did. It's an amazing thing to see that. But this is what Scripture says concerning Timothy, that he thinks just like Paul thought. Turn with me, if you would, quickly to the book of Philippians. I want you to see this. It's an amazing thing when you think about that. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Just go down the list there. Philippians chapter 2. Look there at verse number 19. Look what the Bible says. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. Again, Paul was constantly, constantly worrying and wondering about the state of the brothers. Look at verse 20. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ, Jesus Christ. But ye know the proof of him that as a son with the father, there it is again, as a son with the father, you realize that when we get to Acts 16, of course, Timothy's father is not mentioned. So he grew up with Basically, without a father, basically, it was his mother and his grandmother who propagated the gospel to him. He became saved through them preaching. And yet, we see here again, Paul, who never had a son, (laughs) taking Timothy, if you will, on as a son. This is what he says right here in Philippians chapter 2. Look there. But ye know the proof of him that as a son with the father, he has served me in the gospel. So again, we see here this glorious thing written of Timothy. Paul says, there's no one who is like-minded like I am, nobody that I know of, which is quite an amazing statement to be made concerning that. And as we know, brethren, as we close, we do know that there are what? There are two New Testament letters that are addressed to Timothy personally, first and second Timothy. Yes, that is right. Those two letters were written by Paul to him uh, during an interesting time in history for sure at the same point he is ordained into the ministry at some point and Paul reveals the details by the holy ghost let's close with this text first timothy chapter 4 look there if you would move along as we'll touch on these just for a moment at some point he was ordained and Paul writes of that under the inspiration of god and tells us this in first timothy chapter 4 look at verse number 12 Again, as he's bringing <clears throat> this letter to a close, he says this in verse twelve: "Let no man despise thy youth, but the, be thou an example of the believers in word and conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by the prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the what of the presbytery." So again, we see here that at some point in time, Timothy was indeed ordained. And so Paul's writing these things as we are introduced to him here in the first portion of chapter 16. A man, again, who will come and who will come alongside the Spirit of God, will bring him alongside Paul. They will preach together. They will teach together. They will serve some time together. It's an amazing thing. Amen. And this relationship we're going to see then unfold as we move forward throughout the rest of the book of Acts, clear into chapter 19. Timothy, again, is a main character within that preaching and teaching. It's a glorious thing, brethren, to know that God would be so gracious to us, amen, that he would send men. I'm just talking about leaders in the church, men who teach and preach, amen, men who would be able to work together, men who would be alongside one another, because as we all know, ladies can't do it. All right, I know, here I'm going to get thrown under the bus. Some liberals will come after me. I don't. I, I could care less. There's no such thing, brethren, as a woman pastor. It does not exist. It does not. Men, leaders in the church, were always men, always will be men, always because God has ordained it to be that way. That's the order. And so we see here again, brethren, God's glorious order at work. That he would raise these men up, that he would bring them together, and that they would indeed minister and preach, go to prison together, and ultimately die for the name of Christ together. It's a stunning thing, brethren, when we consider that. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we are reminded again this morning of your work. Luke hears he is led by the Spirit of God narrates some very important biblical truths and fathers we have seen in the first portion of our text this morning that contention happens it just does